Hello and welcome to another podcast in my series about the history of psychiatry in Britain since the time of the Renaissance. I'm Rab Houston of the University of St Andrews and I'm about halfway through this uh, series. Today's podcast is the first of four which is designed to address the question how do we account for the rise and decline of asylums in Britain between roughly the early 19th century and the end of the 20th century. Today's podcast is simply entitled Numbers. When we think about the history of psychiatry we probably envisage Victorian lunatic asylums. Large institutional buildings that can look like military barracks or even prisons, their names are locally synonymous with madness. Though mostly demolished or converted to other uses now, some still stand near to the main towns and cities of Britain and Ireland, their imposing physical presence a memorial to a now abandoned system. This section of four podcasts explains where asylums came from, how they developed, and what ultimately happened to them at the end of the 20th century, when the institutional solution that asylums represented was so decisively overturned. First of all, we need to understand the numbers, and I'm going to set them out in this podcast. It has, I'm afraid, got quite a lot of statistics, uh, more than any of the others, and that's because it's simply the clearest way to show you what happened. Widespread incarceration of mental patients in specialist asylums happened in a very brief period of about 150 years in Britain and Ireland, from the mid-19th century until the end of the 20th century. As late as 1750, there were just three public asylums in England, and only one in Scotland, housing at most a total of 300 lunatics, as people with mental disorders were called in those days. In 1800, when Britain had about 11 million inhabitants, no more than 5,000 people were in small public and private lunatic asylums. Now that's a significant increase, over 300, but it's still a tiny number, and a rate of only one asylum inmate for every 2,200 inhabitants numbers continued to grow. By 1844 there were 11 public asylums in England and Wales funded by voluntary subscription, 17 publicly funded county asylums and 139 private licensed asylums or madhouses as they were called which I talked about a few podcasts ago. So what you can see there is that the commercial and the voluntary sectors together were far more important than public provision of institutional places until after 1845, which is when the most rapid period of growth began across Britain. 
in Scotland for comparison, private philanthropy and public subscription had created seven lunatic asylums with royal charters by 1838. The first opened outside Montrose in 1782 and the second at Morningside on the south side of Edinburgh in 1813. It's about 20 minutes walk from where I live. What about Ireland? I've entitled this series The History of Psychiatry in Britain, but you probably noticed from previous podcasts that I do also include comparisons with Ireland, which has some interesting contrasts and comparisons with Britain. The first public hospital specifically for the insane was St. Patrick's in Dublin, founded with a bequest from the writer Jonathan Swift and opened in 1757. Swift himself was a sufferer from mental problems. The second in Ireland, specifically for the insane, was Richmond Hospital, also in Dublin, opened in 1815. As in mainland Britain, building took off in the 19th century. Some 21 district asylums, which is the title they were given in Ireland compared with public asylums or county asylums in Britain, were built in Ireland between 1820 and 1870. Unlike England and Wales, Irish asylums were independent of the poor law. Most public asylums in 19th century England were for paupers. In Ireland, from 1835, building them became the responsibility of the Board of Works. The prison service supervised them until 1845, and between then and 1921, an inspectorate of lunacy. Now Ireland may have started late but it certainly caught up because by 1900 Ireland had the highest rate of incarceration in Western Europe, nearly twice that per capita of Britain. At its peak around 1960 there were nearly 21,000 people in asylums in the Irish Republic out of a population of just 2.9 million. Back to mainland Britain. The comparable figure for 1900 in Britain is approximately 100,000 asylum inmates. And that's in the British population of around 36 million at that time. In 1900 there were over 100 asylums whose average size was nearly 1,000 inmates or patients. The average length of stay ran to several years because asylums increasingly filled up with chronic cases. The total number of inmates or patients peaked at roughly the same time as in Ireland. Um, It peaked sometime between 1950 and 1960. In the case of Britain, it peaks at around 150,000 patients institutionalised in hospitals. And at that date, the United Kingdom had roughly 50 million inhabitants, giving a rate of about one inmate for every 330 people. That's seven times the incarceration level of 1800. Now that is a remarkable change and indeed in the mid-1950s, in the early years of the National Health Service in Britain, half of all NHS beds were given over to patients with mental illness or mental impairment. In 
At that date, the largest asylum in Britain, Colney Hatch in North London, numbered 3,000 patients. That's the size of a small town. For more than a century, the rate of institutionalisation in Britain was double that of population growth. But from the heyday of the asylum, institutionalisation rapidly came to an end after 1960. By 1990, the number of patients in British asylums had dwindled by 80% from its 1950s peak. So, where are we now? In modern Britain, there are approximately 30,000 patients in mental hospitals at any one time, just a fifth of the number half a century ago. That's roughly equivalent to the rate of institutionalisation two centuries ago. The experience of in-hospital psychiatric care also changed completely as asylums closed and some inpatient services were moved to general hospitals. There are about 100,000 admissions to British psychiatric wards in any one year in the present day, but the median length of stay is just two weeks. That's utterly different from Victorian times, when more than half of patients spent 12 months or longer in asylums. The closest modern equivalent are the high-security hospitals like Broadmoor, where the average length of stay is approximately five years. Modern drugs, in particular, have shortened periods of illness and rendered them less acute, enhancing the chances of early discharge and rehabilitation into the community. The readmissions remain common in the present day. Most treatment is now organised around community mental health teams and 90% of admissions to mental hospitals are voluntary. A century ago it was just 10%. That's true of both Britain and Ireland. However, the Republic of Ireland currently has about 20,000 admissions to psychiatric hospitals each year in a population of just 4.6 million, so an enduringly high rate of institutionalisation in Ireland. Now there were, I know, a lot of facts and figures to take in there, and I hope you've been okay with that. You can always go over what I've had to say and use the pause button quite a lot. I've tried to give enough information, or just enough information, for you to see that a truly remarkable shift occurred in the way people with mental disorders were cared for between 1800 and the year 2000. From almost no asylums to, uh, well, almost no asylums. How and why this happened, I'll try to explain in the next two weeks of podcasts delving next time into developing debates on the need to provide publicly funded institutions for the mentally disordered, which led for a century and a half to asylums taking centre stage in psychiatric care. Please join me for that podcast.